0: I eat a fry every day this summer, talking on building sites. You know, now again, we didn't win, so maybe it wasn't the right thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> I should have been there, the food, the pasta. <laughs>
1: OTB AM, live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. We're here tonight in the Boar's Head in Dublin, and it's all with thanks to Guinness 00, 100% Guinness, 0% alcohol. More social occasions off the GA pitch are yours for the taking. I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by one of GA's all-time greats, Kerry legend, Jack O'Shea. Jack, great to have you here, All-Ireland Final Week. It's an exciting time, especially exciting if you're a Kerry man.
0: Yeah, we, we're not used to these All-Ireland so early in the year, so it being July, I suppose a bit unusual and that, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic weekend, something to look forward to. And I'm sure everybody in the country are looking forward to the games. My own personal feeling is that I think the whole thing has been rushed a bit through because of the, you know, the championship being pushed so, condensed mm-hmm. so much together. Because I think there's a lot of people lose out on the build-up to the finals. I know from coming from Kerry that particularly counties outside of Dublin would appreciate the three and four weeks build-up to a match and up to a final, up to a semi-final and, on and to the final. And a lot of kids lose out as well. That you know the whole novelty of building up to another final. So I think there's a little bit of that missing, but not taken away from the players. I'm sure, the players' minds are on Sunday, and it'll be something to look forward to.
1: And I suppose the the argument to that is then I suppose some of the players would say. They're happy enough, they're away now on their holidays, the lads that have been knocked out, and then they get back to their clubs. Do you see that side of things too?
0: I think a lot of the clubs might suffer actually, because I think a lot of the lads will go away playing in America and that, and uh, I know they can go to Chicago, Boston, and San Francisco, wherever they want to go, or maybe further afield. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think a lot of the clubs might even suffer in that respect, so it'll be interesting to see how the club championship goes from here on in as well, after the weekend.
1: And where will you watch the final now on Sunday?
0: Well, I'm hoping to get to Crow Park. I might win two tickets here tonight in the raffle, so I might be lucky enough.
1: <laughs> well, if you can't get tickets no, it's, now...
0: <laughs> it's actually, there's a, a thing in Kerry that if you are a holder of an All-Island medal, if Kerry get into a final, you get the option of buying two tickets for that final, for that game. So, something that's... There'll be a lot of tickets to be handed out in Kerry. <laughs> so,
1: how many tickets do you get then? How many did you do in seven? No,
0: you only get two. It doesn't <laughs> matter how many you win. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, bringing it back to growing up in Kerry... What was it like for you? Was your family a Magie family or how did it all begin?
0: No, um, I think what got me into football really, my house was right opposite the football pitch in Carsevine. Um When I was growing up I had the privilege of being ball boy for Mick O'Dwyer and Mick O'Connell. They used to come to Carrasovine two or three times a week to go. That I mean, in, back in the 60s and the 70s, teams and counties, teams didn't actually get together very much. They probably got together once every fortnight and a lot of the training was done kind of individually in that and uh, Michael Connell and Mick O'Dwyer used to come into Carsevine to train and I used to be there ball buyer. they used to train actually they used to spend about an hour and a half kicking and the, the kicking would range from 50 yards, 60 yards into 10 yards and uh, I picked up a lot of tips from Mikhail Connell in that respect and uh, one of the ones that always stood to me and what they, which I always did in the training session was he stood away from me one day and he kicked the ball at me and he said you can't catch it like that he said you have to be able to catch it like that and I, all through my career like I was fortunate enough to be trained by Mihal Hollomer Hurting in Dublin and every night after training Mihal would kick 20, 25 balls at me and I would have, I would catch them like that. And that was one of the things I took from their training things.
1: So they don't want it to hit into your chest. You have to well, sort of be able you to. you wanted
0: your hands to be able to grab, grab the ball, you know. As so that's
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, easy to do it there, you know, had, <laughs> much harder to do it out there. So that was one of the things I picked up, yeah.
1: And you mentioned me and Herthing. so when you're playing for Kerry, you're based in Dublin, so he actually trained you up in Dublin. Yeah, I was years. lucky
0: enough to have. Um, I actually played Kerry minor in 1975, and Kerry won the All Ireland in 75 as well. So, I was full forward in the minor team in 1975. I was also full forward on the under-21 team that won the All Ireland. We beat Dublin in uh, Clonmel the same year, and then I was under-21, 76, 77, and I made my senior debut on the in the All Ireland semi-final in 77. So I was only 19 I think, and I was, I was up against Brian Mullins, and I'll never forget in the second half there was a ball kicked out by, I think by Paddy O'Man. he was in goal at the time, and I said I have this one now, and I eyed the ball up and I went to catch it, and as I put, went up to get the ball, Brian Mullins came from behind and hit me and I went about five yards that way, so I knew I wasn't strong enough at that stage for, for the, the big competition that was there between Kerry and Dublin at the time. So, I was based in Dublin and me all and Mary used to look after all the Kerry players in Dublin in the training sessions and there was a lot of other county players actually trained with us as well. We even had Joe Brolley training with us. Um, we had fellows from Mayo, fellows from different counties all over the country train with us. We had about, used to have up to about 15 to 20 people and we trained out in Belfield and um, it was very competitive to training and I think that um, the lads that trained with us realised how much it, it did take to get fit at that time, you know.
1: And what was Mihal like? Obviously, we know him as the GA commentator, and when he gets into his stories, he's
0: Mihal is a phenomenal person. Like they talk about psychologists in the game today, but I had the best psychologist of all time when I was when I was a player. Mihal, as we all know, is so relaxed. He's so easy mm. to listen to. He's so convincing when he talks. Everything goes goes in there and stays in there. You know, so he always prepared. You know, even though the other county players were playing with us they listened to the same words as he did right but when he got talking to you kind of personally on it he always convinced you that he used to always be able to convince me that I was never as fit as I am now that kind of position I was always in the, I was always leaving his training sessions or leaving his training before a big match knowing that I had done everything I was in good a shape as I could be I was in good form and all that so psych- psychologically he had me really relaxed for the game and uh,
1: that's the way I approached it. And isn't that one of the biggest battles in the, the game nowadays, like mentally? Like with Kerry against Dublin, that was a, a mental thing maybe to be able to get over them?
0: See, there's a lot of things, like an all Ireland final is a huge, big occasion. Like, every young, I always say to young people and young players or county players, there's only 30 people in this country get the chance to walk behind the band next Sunday. And if you're one of those 30, it's a unique and a privilege. And like, to get there is a huge achievement. So. When you get to a situation like that, you have to be able to take the whole, the whole day in, it's not just the actual match itself, it's the lead up to the game. You can burn yourself out leading up to the game. Lots of players, <coughs> I, I played with players who were in superb shape and they got to the final and they froze or something, you know, the, the whole occasion went by them. <coughs> so I think it's very important that, I'll just give you an example of what I did. What do you think I did the morning in Ireland the in final? It was totally different back our time. Like I used to live in Dublin. The Kerry team would come up on the Saturday night, half six train. They would go to Malahide. I would drive out to Malahide about eight o'clock. Uh, I'd meet up with all the players. Then we'd go for a team meeting. And our team meetings were held down at the beach in Malahide, sitting on a wall, 30 fellas, whatever I think, 26 at the time, sitting along a wall, pitch dark, couldn't see me of the wire, and he out in front of us talking. That was our team meeting. That was the only meetings we ever had. We were never brought into a room to be saw blackboards or charts or whatever. Nothing like that. Then the morning, they all, I, I would always make sure I never went to bed too early before the final, right? Because I, was, I, I knew myself, if I went to bed too early, I'd be, you know, you'd be thinking you'd a bit much. Thinking. So I didn't go to bed until about 12 o'clock. This is my routine before an Ireland final. I would have a cup of tea and a sandwich, maybe about 10 or 11 o'clock. Then i go to bed. i sleep until about 7, half 7 in the morning. i get up about, probably about half 8. And then what I used to do every Sunday morning, every all-line before every hour I played, I went and I played 18 holes of pitch and put.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah, and what I used to do is I used to bring the younger players on the panel, usually the subs or the younger lads, they'd come with me, and we'd have a great crack. So my whole mind was taken off the game completely, that we were out playing pitch and, put, game of pitch and put, having the crack with the Dublin supporters, and that was the way I led myself into the game. So then I would come back to the hotel about maybe, probably about 11, 12 o'clock. We'd have um, a cup of tea and a sandwich, and then we'd head into Crow Park. Now, I never went in the bus to Crow Park, because I was driving my own car to Malahide, I travelled in myself, and John Egan. Charlie Nedigan and Tommy Doyle always came with me. And John Egan used to have a friend, this is true, John Egan used to have a friend, he was in Cork, and he used to come with us in the car, and he used to sing songs the whole way from Malahide to Crow Park, <laughs> all the way in, in the car. And I used to drive in under the Hogan stand and park my car there. I'd walk into the dressing room, I'd, everybody in the Kerry team at that time sat in the same place, like I used to sit there, Mikey Shee was next to me. We just sat in our own place every time. I'd throw my bag there, I'd go out of the dressing room, I'd go up to the top deck of the, the, or the Hogan stand, I'd watch the first half of the minor match, maybe halfway into the second half. i come down, i tug out. Um, you know, some of the potty or shade be inside in the in tie, lashing the ball off the wall, bumping into pillars and all that sort of stuff. John Egan would be sitting over in the corner with reading the newspaper. Like, he was a very laid-back fella as well. And uh, then the thing I always loved doing and a lot of players maybe don't like doing it i love walking behind the band behind the band mm-hmm. and just relaxing you know this is where i want to be there's a great story told about me actually that uh, a lot of carry managers have used it since saying that when i woke up on the sunday morning you know, and, and if i drew back the curtains and it was lashing rain i used to room with charlie Nelligan. i would say this is the day i wanted lashing rain i just love the rain anyhow but lashing rain love playing in the rain Lashing rain, oh, this is the day I wanted. And the next year I wake up, I pull back the curtains, the sun was shining, right? And I say, Ah, this is the day I wanted. Because that's what I wanted to be. Yeah. That was my target at the beginning of the year. That's what I wanted to get to and, you know, make the best of it. So my lead up was, I was totally focused on what I wanted to do. And I didn't think about the match until about maybe 15, 20 minutes beforehand.
1: Well, if you went playing the pitch and put, you obviously didn't let the occasion phase you whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, You weren't thinking about injury or anything like that.
0: No, I was very fortunate. I think I played for Kerry for 17 years, and I think I never picked up an injury. I can never say... I think I missed one match in 17 years between league and championship.
1: What do you think the difference is? Did you have recovery or...?
0: No, I never went to a gym in my life. I was naturally fit. I didn't drink. Um, I looked after myself. You know, if I got a knock... And like I lived in league slip for the first eight years of my playing career and I'd say I drove to Kerry every second weekend to play a club match if not every weekend sometimes mm-hmm. so I was either, I often left leagues at eight o'clock in the Sunday morning to go play a club match in Carrissabine which was four and a half hours drive play the match, get into my car and drive home again I would be home until twelve o'clock And you
1: so, never pulled a hamstring after all that driving? got
0: wire told me I had no hamstrings <laughs> never pulled a hamstring, <laughs> never pulled a muscle, I was very fortunate you know? I had a son then who played with Kerry in 2009 and uh, Aidan he won an All-Ireland medal in 2009 fantastic player he actually had a got a groin problem he's never played ever since Mm -hmm. so you can be fortunate and unfortunate you know so I was lucky
1: and when you look back at some of those memories now are they just like best days of your life
0: yeah there's something you can not take away like I stand in Crow Park and say I've been there I've done that and I've made some fantastic friends I've been all over the world I represented Ireland Australia I've been everywhere in America playing Um, You know I've I've achieved everything that I want to set out to achieve and uh, I was fortunate like you don't win these things on your own, I was around at the right time, great team with me, great players, very committed and uh, we had a fantastic time yeah and uh, there's some fabulous memories yeah, it's great characters with us as well of course yeah.
1: Absolutely, and I feel the lead-up for the current teams now at the minute would be extremely different. I don't think we'd see yeah. the likes of Damien Comer, Shane Walsh, <laughs> uh, having pitch and pull at the morning <laughs> of the final.
0: No, that's what I mean. It's, very, it's totally different now. Like I used to walk into an All Ireland final, we'd say against Dublin, and the Dublin players were often walking in alongside us. You know, we were chatting going into the games and that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. But
0: it's totally different now. Do I agree with it? I don't know that the fellas playing now enjoy it as much, or do they get as much enjoyment? Like we had a huge rapport as well with the supporters, like we used to play Munster finals in Killarney, we'd be in the Park Place Hotel having a few sandwiches before the match and we'd walk with the supporters up to the game, we, they'd go up to the stand, we'd go into the dressing room, so I thought the supporters and the, and the players were much closer together in our time and I mm-hmm. thought it was enjoyable then and uh, you had more interaction you know so I don't know do you see, if you see a county player now if you see him once or twice a year the only days you see him is on the pitch so I think they're kind of hidden away a bit too much, but that's the way things are going.
1: Mm-hmm. You mentioned the sandwiches. <laughs> you didn't have a dietation back then either, I don't think. No,
0: I used to have a steak, onions and chips and milk after every training session. That was, that was our diet. So I, I don't know. It's a, I often think, you know, the team I was playing on, if we were doing the same training the team today were, how fit would we have got or where we have gone to you know people say the game is much faster now it probably is much probably is quicker now but i think there's a lot of the game is missing as well you Mm -hmm. know and there's two or three things in gaelic football that i i would love to return to and number one i think one number one of the biggest things that we left go was the sideline kick off the ground because i think the sideline kick off the ground would have to be kicked forward nowadays you see a sideline kick at the 14-yard line up here and it ends up back with the goalkeeper I think when you had the sideline kick off the ground, you were creating a contest. Yeah. Another contest. Like in our time, I played midfield, right? My main responsibility was that I had to contest every ball that dropped in between the two 50-yard lines. That was my job on a kick-out. Shawnee Welch, myself, whoever was midfield with me, our our job was to contest (laughs) those two lines. Our other job was when we... We were supposed to be the link from our defence to our attack. You know, you make yourself available when our defenders get the ball so you can use the ball up the field again. And then the other thing was, when we lost possession, we automatically became defenders. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the game has changed so much, so... That's one of the things. The other thing, I, I still think that the kick-out, having to go we say, beyond the 50-yard line should be back as well, because there's nothing greater to watch than someone flighting up and catching a ball at full, full stretch. And I think that contest, if you take, take the two semi-finals, was there five kick outs kicked to the middle of the field to be caught?
1: Yeah. Maybe
0: in a small bit more now, it's changing a small bit. But in the, in the derry, in the derry um, Galway match, there was very few kick outs. Same with the Dublin-Kerry game. You, like, you'd love to see the likes of Brian Fenton, David Warren contesting it all together. You know, that was that's, that was a beautiful part of the game, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's another thing I'd like to see introduced.
1: Well, they obviously brought in the mark for, to encourage that, but... Yeah, but I don't, think, I don't it, think marking know, a ball
0: two foot off the ground is marking a ball. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think a marking a ball should be strictly over the head.
1: And what do you think of the mark, say, giving it into the forward line?
0: I think, it's given, I think it's too easy, makes it too easy for forwards. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I think when you were being coached when you were young as a forward the first thing you were told to do when you got the ball in your hand was drop your shoulder and take on your opponent. I think that's missing a bit now as well.
1: And that's what supporters love to watch. Take oh, on yeah,
0: your man. Yeah, yeah. That's what it's about. Yeah. Like, like, back, we'd say, the 70s, whenever we were playing, when we were, when our team were playing league, like, you, when, you, when you were in possession, you wanted to score, at least kill the ball on the other far side. Nowadays, like, it's taking so long to get the ball up the field. Um, like, let's face it, I'm not going to criticise it, but the, the Derry-Galway semi-final first half was so hard to watch mm. and you know I think everybody would agree like there's four points each at half time um, like we like a bit of excitement like you take the hurling for instance like the hurling can change so quick in such a short time so I just think that um, you know they have to do something either by either keeping three players beyond the 50 yard line all the time or whatever because I think there's too much defensive coming into now at this stage We will. But, like, wouldn't you like everybody likes to see the best players like Shane Walsh David Clifford, you love to see him fellas for getting forward and, you know, taking somebody on. But if there's 15 fellas in front of him, it doesn't make it easy.
1: No, but even for the, the cornerbacks or the halfbacks, you know, the, what they're good at is defending. So, mm-hmm. you know, it takes away what they're good at if they're able to just go and mark, you know. Yeah, yeah that's you know, it. It, it, yeah. it takes yeah. it away.
0: Like, you can, have, you can have a great game today without touching the ball. <laughs> you can be very effective in a Gaelic match. and like that's To me, that's not Gaelic. No.
1: You know and we're going to get into the game itself we'll preview it a little bit in the next 10 minutes or so but just bringing it back to, to your own playing days just for a minute um, Mick O'Dwyer what was he like
0: um, Mick O'Dwyer was a real strict manager and I think his greatest attribute was he was a fantastic man man uh, manager he could if Mick O'Dwyer wanted to get a message to me he would never say it directly to me he'd get somebody else to pass the message on or, or do it in another way you know so a great um, no, I must say that there was there was no there was tough men in our team and there was fellas who really enjoyed themselves and they had to. But when it came to the championship, these lads used to go off to drink. Like the likes of Paddy O'Shea and Tim Killelli and these fellas, they were Hardy Lynch, they liked a few drinks and that. But they used to go off to drink for the championship. And okay to have a drink after playing the big match, the match was over and all that. But you know, Miko was he was a disciplinarian, like you had to be disciplined. And there was lots of good, very good footballers didn't make it in our time in Kerry because they wouldn't be committed enough. And Rico just, you know, he was, you, you needed commitment. And he had no great secret in his training or he got the best out of everybody. And I think he proved that when he went to Kildare, when he went to Leash, when he went to Wicklow. What did he do there? He improved their fitness levels. He got them focused more. He got them more, um, you know, get the winning frame, frame of mind into them and, and belief. And he has a great ability to make you believe.
1: That's one of the things in his documentary that you see some of the, the mad runs he made you do up hills yeah, yeah, and okay. Well
0: lucky enough I was in Dublin, I didn't do yeah. a lot of that but, <laughs> got uh, it you got away with it. <laughs> but uh, what I used to actually before we'd say the all and semi-final, I would go to Kerry for a week. And we would train six days in that week. Like when we'd be all together.
1: Mm.
0: But there was no secret really. Like we didn't have any tactics playing back then, like the one tactic we had was we hit the space, and we were hoping that we would be able to be the first in that space.
1: So, um,
0: it was just like, his main policy was when we lose the ball, we're 15 defenders; when we have the ball, we're 15 attackers.
1: So, for you from midfield, what was your tactic going out in, into midfield? Did you have any game plan?
0: Um, well, <laughs> I, I don't feel I don't want to feel pompous now saying this, but I never went on to a pitch to mark anybody. <laughs> Never went on to the pitch to mark anybody. I always said they're gonna to have to mark me. That, no that's not being bullshitty or whatever, but no. that was my philosophy. That was what I wanted. I said if he's gonna to have to if he's gonna beat me, he has to mark me. He's gonna to have to come with me. So like you, you just have to be kinda of confidence within yourself to go out there and believe you can do it and believe that I always felt there was always someone better. But I always felt that I would make it as hard as I could on him. So I never left the dressing room to actually mark anybody. Um, I always left the dressing room to give it, leave 100% on the pitch. Uh, There's very few times I walked off a field I would say that I wasn't, would say, happy with what I do. You know what I maybe not what I've done in the day, but the amount of effort I put in. So I was always kind of willing to do that. And I think, and you go back to my injury thing. I think that was the same thing. Whether I, I played challenge games, training, championship games, league games, I treated them all the same way. And I think that kind of stood to me in my fitness levels.
1: And is there an All-Ireland in particular that stands out for you?
0: Um, I suppose winning your first one is always the best in uh, 78. And uh, at one stage in 78, I think we were five or six points down, Dublin were in front, and they were dictating the game. And uh, the whole game turned around, Bomber ended up getting three goals that day, and that was a big day, winning your first one. But I suppose then when you were growing up, you kind of always wanted to play in All-Ireland want to score a goal in North Island and I suppose they crowned that with getting the goal 81. So but they're all very special because no matter what final you win it could be your last one so mm-hmm. they're all very special you know so I was fortunate I played in eight senior finals and I won seven so didn't do bad.
1: And what about that one you lost it was when you were going for the, the five the in a row yeah, yeah. off wasn't it?
0: Yeah but again it's something like I lost lots of games in my career much the same way in club level or whatever whatever game. So It happened at the wrong time for us on the wrong day. But these things happen in games. But I would have to say that that awfully team we played in the 82 final, in 1980, I think the score was 4-11 to 4-15 semi-final. 1981, we beat them. Like, there was only a couple of points in when I got the goal near the end, so that we, we beat them in 81. So they were a team that were really coming and building. And... Uh, you know, I think they deserved an all Ireland, and they probably one of the greatest players I ever played against. Matt Connor, uh, you know, he was—he—he he played that semi-final in 1918. He scored two goals and nine points. You know, and you take that—you know—the what the Galway scored in the semi-final two eight. Matt scored two nine that day. Galway scored four eleven. Matt scored two nine, and Jodie Carroll scored two one.
1: Wow! So they only had two scores, <laughs>
0: but uh, they were a phenomenal team. Yeah. And uh, I think Eugene McGee was a Very good manager because over the two years he was um, he was plotting out downfall. Like we played him in challenge games, we played him in different things. But the team he played in 1980 and the team he that beat us in '82, there was a lot of changing. There was fellas who had played in the half forward line were brought back to the half back line. So he plotted out downfall really. and I think you know, like we lost it, it was disappointing. I think as a player you don't take a five in a row. You want to, you want to win this all out mm-hmm. So. That's all done for history, you know, but it's never forgotten, that's the only thing. That's what I was going to often say. reminded of that. Yeah, yeah.
1: does it haunt yeah. you or no? You're happy no, enough with your seven. No, no, no,
0: no, no. I'm happy enough. You know. oh, the only when I see Brendan Lowry in the ad and he has the medal in his hand, I say, that's my medal, he has. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we'll look through then to, to Galway versus Kerry. Kerry, obviously, best uh, Dublin in the semi-final. They needed to get over them. Mm. Sean O'Shea, 50th minute. Tricky win, last kick of the game. Unbelievable!
0: Yeah, a phenomenal kick, and uh, it's funny. I think Shawny was never really much a free taker when he was young, and uh, he um, he kind of started doing the free taking. He's developed it like. And let's face it, it was a phenomenal kick under the pressure that he was under. Um, did Kerry deserve to win? I think they just about did. Um, people say that Kerry probably folded a little bit, and you know when the pressure came on in the second half. But I thought it was basically a couple of mistakes Kerry made mm. that left Dublin back into it. And let's face it, like Dublin have been fantastic over the last eight to ten years. And you were always expecting Dublin. I, I always expected Dublin to come back. You know, you knew they weren't going to lie down. And uh, they got the goal from Costello and they were, they were on a roll then. And like, Kerry were in a rocky place, let's face it. And I think Dublin had the chance to win with Scully's kick that time. here he had kicked that over the bar, I think Kerry mightn't have come back. And there'd be a lot of questions asked in Kerry. But this Kerry team were unfortunate to lose to Orleans, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, the last couple of years and uh, they were good enough to win. Um, I feel they're back there now again and um, they were up against a very tricky opposition. Galway are a very good team and uh, I don't expect it to be... I think it will go down to the wire again but I think Kerry have been there in a good tight position. On the, it's funny actually, Kerry have been in tight positions for a few years and they failed to cross it a couple of times but they did this time I think that will make a big difference to them. On the other hand, I think Galway have been very good, you know, they were good against Mayo. Yeah. They were... Uh,
1: Armagh.
0: Well, the Armagh game, I think they had it sealed, but they, again, they made a couple of stupid mistakes. That yeah, cost they them couldn't win it, it at normal time. Couldn't won it at normal time. But I think they showed great character, and they were put to asked a lot of questions, and they stood up, and they got through that one. And I thought the last day against Derry, there was the questions, you know, they. I think they had a very good game plan the last mm-hmm. day. They kind of... Parek Joyce was very interesting in his interview after, and he said you don't win a game in the first half. So I think he was, and I think the same might happen next weekend. That Galway would want to stay in the game in the first half, not allow Kerry chances, and hope for the best in the second. That's my opinion.
1: And for Kerry to, to finally get over Dublin, it felt like it was a mental thing as well. To be able things, to do well, it.
0: it. It's huge, yeah, because uh, like there's huge rivalry with there's great rivalry between Kerry and Dublin, but it's a huge rivalry as well and within the players. And I'm sure the Dublin players are very disappointed they got they got beaten. So, um, you know, I suppose when a team are so dominant for such a long time, uh, you know who's going to be the ones to stop them and whatever. So I think it's a huge uh, plus for Kerry what they did. But I think I, I heard someone saying that when they got into the dressing room after Jack O'Connor was saying a few words and uh, he said he can go and have a few pints tonight. And the first thing that lads said was there were not nobody was going having a few pints. So I think they're very. I think these lads would be very hurt if they don't win this one. And yeah. uh, I think this could, be, this could be the making of the break of this team. And if they win on Sunday, I think we'll be looking for them for a few years.
1: Yeah, it feels a bit like now or, or never with well,
0: them. I think it is. And I think, you know, if I was one of the Kerry players at the moment, I would be saying, it's a long way back to your next all-island final. So, you know, when you get the chance, do your best. And if you can, all you can do is 100%. If you give it 100% and give it all, your all, it's the result, there's, we were always saying the result will look after itself.
1: Yeah. I was down speaking to a few of the players just, you know, ahead of the game, and Tyke Morley, he said about Sean O'Shea that when they got into the dressing room after, you know, they brought him back down to earth, they just straight away were, like, talking yeah. about the penalty miss. Yeah, they are like... Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: You and I think it that's you. important
1: because they yeah. said you don't get any medals for an All-Ireland semi-final.
0: No, no, no. And uh, these lads have been playing now together for quite a while, you know, since underage and that, and... Uh, mm-hmm this is a big opportunity for them but likewise for Galway you know like it's a long way back for both teams and a lot can happen between for the next 12 months you could get injured you could do anything could happen and uh, you know you have to be ready to take that chance and opportunity when you get it
1: and it's almost expected now of Kerry to to go on and win it when you have Galway coming through yeah well I
0: I also think that both teams both Kerry and Galway in the next three or four years we can see that Armagh are coming Mayo I think will be a lot better next year with the two forwards that were out injured this year back um, Tyrone will try to make a comeback again. Derry, I think, will learn from this year and they'll be tougher opponents. So I think next year's champions will be very, very interesting. Dublin aren't, won't go away. No,
1: so, never.
0: Yeah. So I think that, um, you know, the present one is the one to win.
1: <laughs> so where is it going to be won and lost?
0: Um, where is it going to be won and lost?
1: Well, go away, they're quite... Defensive. They set up defensively. This is what they brought yeah, in this they, year. It's working for them.
0: They have some. they have actually some very very good players. And uh, mm-hmm. in defence, like they have Sean Kelly. He's a fabulous player. Mm-hmm. I've been really impressed with uh, um, the Dylan Dylan McHugh. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think he's a very very good player. Uh, Jack Daly has done very well. His son of Al's, who I played with in Australia. He's a very very good player as well. I think Galway have been have had the best midfield pairing all year. In uh, uh, Paul Conroy and Killian McDade yeah. I think Killian McDade has been really really good and looks looks better than every game I see him and I think they have a fantastic partnership and like if I was picking two midfield all-stars in the morning they'd be my two of oh. the, of the game championship has been played I think that you know over 70 minutes in a match in all games they've been there yeah, and thereabouts and then up front of course they have Shane Walsh who doesn't like to watch Shane playing he's a fabulous player mm-hmm. um, and then they have uh, Damien Comer. Damien Comer's Damien Comer. <laughs> There's two Damien Comers. When he's good, he's very, very good. And I hope he isn't very good the weekend.
1: Yeah, he peaked definitely in the semi-final. <laughs> yeah,
0: he was very good, yeah. Uh, he, was, uh, he worked really hard in the first half. But he's a real powerful man, you know. So powerful. From, yeah. So I think that, uh, he's a big threat. So th- th- the matchups are very interesting, actually. Who do I expect to pick up? Shane Walsh. I think Thomas Sullivan will. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think Shane Walsh, does a lot of running and that Thomas Sullivan loves to go forward so I think Kerry will send him after him and try to punish Galway when he does go out the field. Uh, Who will pick up Damien Comer? I think uh, Jason Foley will pick right. up, him up. Um, Then you have Keane O'Neill of course with Galway as well which is a huge thing you know, because yeah. he's been with Kerry as well so he's going to have a good vision of what Kerry are about. Um,
1: what about the midfield? Conroy
0: see, is their playmaker. Yeah, do you see, mark I t- him? It all depends who's Kerry going to pick up midfield. Yeah. Kerry, I think Kerry have. I actually think Kerry have more options than Galway from the teams that are going to start. I think Kerry could start three or four different teams. Um, uh, I think that uh, is Gavin White ready to play?
1: Doesn't look like we don't know. He's, don't know. he's walking like on his back. If he's missing, he's sure. going to be a
0: huge loss to Kerry. Yeah. But if he, if he doesn't play, I think Kerry have three or four different options, even outside of Paul Murphy, outside of using. Um, they could bring in Killian Spalan.
1: You know, I think elastic. the thing that
0: Jack, Jack O'Connor has done since he's come in this year, he has blooded about 21, 22 players mm-hmm. into match day fitness. And I think at the end of the day, I think if you ask me what's the difference with Kerry and Dublin at the moment, I would say it's the bench. I think Kerry have a lot of options to come off the bench. And uh, I think David is exceptional. <laughs> I think he's probably the best finisher I've ever seen. Really? Yeah, I would class him as the best when he gets the ball in his hand, he's able to do anything. Yeah. He's unmarkable, he's he's unpredictable. Like he got he gets some phenomenal scores. And I even like his tightest
1: angle. Just he's
0: doing this like, since he was about fourteen or fifteen. He's not doing it this, this year or last year. Like he's just remember the last time they played Galway. Remember the the time he drew the ball back at, like a soccer drawback, and, and he left the defender fly past him and he chipped it into the goal. He's so talented, and uh, I think his brother has been a big addition to his party as well. There's a great understanding there, so mm-hmm. I do think Kerry have the better forward. So I think that might sway it.
1: But what about if if Galway? set up that defensively you know they like to do the long ball in the quick ball in to to hit the likes of Clifford what if they can't do that they've packed out the defence
0: I think Kerry can keep long range points yeah and I think that might stand to them I think that uh, there's a few Kerry players that didn't have good semi-finals you know and they'd be the first to stand up and say it themselves so I'd be expecting um, Paul Ganey I think he's a player that's been playing really really well you haven't seen the best we didn't see the best in the semi-finals so I think he he will be good. Stephen O'Brien I think is due another big game as well. So I think a lot depends what team Kerry pick. Uh, so the matchups will be interesting, but I think Kerry just have a enough sway. I'm hoping.
1: <laughs> You're hoping, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. What improvements then have you seen in Kerry this year, say compared to, to last year? We obviously seen the loss of Tyrone in the semi-final?
0: Yeah, I think that um I think their defences you know, obviously their defences worked as has been working really well. What they're doing in defending is the, they're, you know, they're, 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 they're tackling as a, as a, as a unit. Uh, they're not getting isolated. Mm-hmm. And I think that will help them. I think that's where the improvement has been, really. Um, and I think they're also a year older and they are physically stronger. You know, like, David Clifford was only 22. He won't be 23, until, I think, this January or something like that.
1: Mm-hmm. So uh,
0: Sean O'Shea is only 23. Like a lot. They're, they're very young. They've been around
1: a long time. Like, it
0: seems. Like they never played under twenty-one because they were under low because they were seniors. Yeah. So they missed out on two or three years of under twenty-one football, which I think is a disadvantage as well to any team, you know. Because I think coming through the system from minor to under twenty-one, I think if you're if you're young enough, you should be left play, mm-hmm. no matter what the competition is. And I think that gap that's there takes a while. That void takes a while to fill it. You know, as a player and as a physique so I think these lads are quite young and they've, their time uh, is
1: coming now well I think so I think they're
0: yeah I think so
1: <laughs> and obviously then for a Galway Porick Joyce on the sideline he's in three years now he said in his first year he's going to take them to an All-Ireland yeah. he's done it now after three which is so impressive as well
0: very impressive and I know Porek quite well lovely fella you know he's uh, nephew Billy Joyce who I played against Billy um, so Porick is very intelligent he's he's uh, he learns and he listens a lot. Uh, I'm not a bit surprised that he's doing well as a manager because I think he's a, he would have a great relationship with players. And I think, it's, you know, the, having been a player going right through the system yourself, like Paulic had some very good days with Galway and he had some very disappointing days with Galway. So he's seen both sides and he can pass all that information on to the team. And I think that he has the team working for you. you can see it. They're all, they're all, I'd say, they're all happy to be in there, all mm-hmm. happy to be within the group. And, uh, you know, he's going to be... He's another tough test to get over the weekend.
1: Big time. <laughs> yeah. And so who do you, do you say they rated as your best midfielders now in the game at the moment?
0: Well I thought the two Galway midfielders are the best this year so far.
1: Wow. Very good.
0: <laughs> as, a, as a pairing like.
1: Yeah. Okay. So out of the, out of the whole championship who I would, would you pick?
0: That, I would think like the uh, Glass from Derry.
1: Yeah Conor Glass. Conor yeah.
0: Glass. Um, I think the two Galway fellas have been really good. David Moran was very good in the quarterfinal. Brilliant. Like for the fellow who only played his first match in, uh, you know, in nearly a year, mm-hmm. uh, he was very good. Um, so I think the all stars are up for grabs.
1: Do you think David will start? I think so. Yeah, he has that experience. Well,
0: I think the experience is vital, and, mm-hmm. the, and like he's a big man. I think him seven, Paul Connery could match up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that experience that David has will uh, will get him his spot. <laughs> who Deadpool with him remains to be seen.
1: And people would probably regard you as the, the greatest midfielder ever of all time. How do you feel when you hear things like that?
0: <laughs> You're telling me that now, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I
1: think many people in this room might agree.
0: I don't know, Listen, it's there's to be spoken about like that. Um, all I can say is that I enjoyed my years playing with Kerry and uh, enjoyed my years playing against all the opponents I had. So, you know, that's an, that's another person's opinion to me.
1: And if I had to ask you three of the best players you ever played with, who would you say?
0: Outside of Kerry or with Kerry? Yeah, up to you, you Do can you put me on the card. <laughs> I don't like names. Listen, all my Kerry teammates were fabulous to play with. Um,
1: I didn't say one, I said three, so I was being nice. This is a <laughs> very
0: unfair question now. Get me into trouble. Probably like... Some of the best, then. Well, yeah. The player I played probably, I played with Kerry, and probably played with him at county championship level. was John Egan. He was a fabulous player. We played county championships with South Kerry together. Mm-hmm. So we played together for a good few years. I just always a, a sweet spot for Mikey Sheehy. Mikey was a great, great player. Um, who else? I suppose my partnership with Shawnee Welsh for four years to win four Allands
1: would be
0: there thereabouts mm-hmm. as <laughs>
1: well. And my last question then for you, Jack, is who do you believe is the best player in the game at the moment?
0: Best player of the game at the moment? I think, we're, like, it's probably David Tipper.
1: Feels uh, like we're watching one of the greats.
0: I think without doubt, I, th- I think he's the best finisher I've seen. i said that. Like, I, I didn't say anything else, I just said I think he's the best finisher. Mm. And I think, like, everybody here tonight, you and me, we don't know what he's going to do the weekend. So <laughs> we're in intens- anticipation, like when he gets the ball, you don't know is he going to go left or right, is he going to kick it from 40 yards, or is he going to bring it into 10 yards. He's so unpredictable he's just a joy to behold and I think everybody Enjoy. everybody that will be in court on Sunday will be waiting for him to do something when he does it I'm sure they'll be amazed
1: absolutely and I lied one more question well, your prediction <laughs> give me a score if you can Ke-
0: I th- a score I think Kerry will win by about four
1: will they be S- leading at half time?
0: I think they will mm-hmm. I think it'll be, <laughs> I'd be, I'd be I'd be disappointed if Kerry haven't scored ten points in the first half
1: so but Kerry by four is what we're going with I think Kerry by four yeah very good well unfortunately that's all we've got time for this evening thanks a million for all coming in this evening it's all with thanks to Guinness 0 100% Guinness 0% alcohol more social occasions off the GA pitch are yours for the taking a massive thanks to the Boars Head here in Dublin for having us and to Kerry legend Jack O'Shea it's been a pleasure hey!